Welcome to another VRL USA podcast. This is Alan, and I'm joined by, by our UK contingent, Robin and Raul. How are you, gentlemen? Yeah, fine. Good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> we're and, clearly uh, not good. Good, yeah. We were, <laughs> no, we're, all good here. It's it's finally sunny in England as well, which is probably a good sign for our big european match um because obviously the spanish do better in the sunshine um yeah so all good here how are you alan great oh yeah well we had we actually had probably what will be our last rain for five or six months yesterday and uh so that was pleasant and today it's beautiful and uh yeah getting getting ready for the big match on thursday um i know if we could all manage to swing it we'd all be at both legs, um, <laughs> but it's not not to be this time. Um, fascinating in that Arsenal and Villarreal, not just that we have the history of playing each other before in Europe, but I mean, these are two teams that have been, they're only consistent in being inconsistent. Is that pretty much right? Yeah, I'd say they're very, very similar on the pitch, I'm obviously watching both extensively all season for many, many seasons. And yeah, recent results domestically in both teams have been very poor. And in the Europa League, however, both have been very convincing. Arsenal smashed uh, Slavia Prague away, did well to beat Olympiakos and Benfica. And yeah, Villarreal were very impressive against uh, Dinamo Zagreb in the last leg. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there's obviously a lot of there's a lot of ties between the two clubs. I don't want to delve into that too much now, but just the fact that it's Unai Emery against Arsenal is enough to make this a really, really interesting tie. Right, Robin, would you pretty much agree with that? Yeah, it's, it's going to be really interesting. I, I see a lot of similarities between the clubs. I'll be honest; I haven't followed Arsenal in absolutely years. My last last memory of Arsenal was Thierry Henry coming from return and scoring, I think, against Leeds. <laughs> it was a really random memory, but that was the last time I remember anything about Arsenal. But like Raul said, there's a lot of links to us. Um, I suppose there's Emery link. Santa Cazola was obviously a legend there as well. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, they regard him as a legend. I don't know if he's quite classed as a legend. Yeah. Um, and like, we have to also mention that Samu was once rejected by Arsenal, wasn't he? They, they ended up not taking him on. I think they probably regret that now. Right. Um, right. That's worth mentioning at all. Yes. Um, yeah, he was, he was heavily scouted by them. And I think they had an agreement, but then it got into a dispute over how the payments would be made or something. And, and Virial stepped in. And as you say, that they may really regret that because I think he, he could well be a key player for us in this in this tie. Um, so I was talking to a couple of Arsenal fans on a um, yesterday. They invited me onto a pod, and we were talking about the about the match. And there were sort of two different ideas of how the match could go. And I I guess I'm particularly interested in what Raúl has to say about it because he's watched Arsenal a lot this season. And one one approach, uh, I think the more exciting from a fan's viewpoint, is that this is going to be a match where we try to control Arsenal's speedy um, midfield. We try to break and, and get the ball to um, Gerard and, and Samu's speed. 
trying to um, set things up for us. So that sounds like more of a wide open tie. And the other one is more a tactical nil-nil draw where you've got two coaches who are really being very careful and feeling out each other. So which which do you think is more likely, or how do you guys see this thing playing out in the first leg? Well, I think this isn't the Arsenal teams that you guys are probably used to seeing over the years. This is one of the lowest scoring Arsenal teams I can remember in my entire lifetime. In the league at home this season, Arsenal have only scored, I think, 19 goals. Mm. And it's very, very poor going forward. There's a, there's a real lack of creativity. But Arsenal are also very, very vulnerable on the counter-attack. If you saw the goal Everton scored the other day, Arsenal lost 1-0. But granted, it was a goalkeeper error. It came in a period where Arsenal were dominating the game, kind of keeping the ball in the opposition half, and Everton had won attack and scored. And that's been... The case of Arsenal's, that's been the story of Arsenal's season, really. It's a lot of vulnerability on the counter, a lot of low scoring games. The defence has improved a bit, but a real, real lack of goals. So, to answer your question, I think it will be more likely to see a tactical kind of low scoring nil nil, possibly one nil. Although, I think Arteta will be looking to get the away goal, knowing how bad we are at home this season at scoring, that mm. in the first leg he will want definitely want to go and get an away goal. Robin? Yeah, I can kind of see see it being the same, really. I I think, yeah, Arsenal are bad on the, on the counter. I think um, and we're equally bad at doing a counter. So um, I can just see it being two sort of defensively-minded games, trying to both play out from the back and neither really sort of willing to attack in the first leg. And I think the second leg will end up being a lot more lively. I, w- I would love it if we went out all out attack straight away just to really fox everyone's mind. But I can't see that happening. And I, but I hope it does. Um, like I said, the, their midfield is, I think from memory, is quite attacking forward. It's quite quick. And I think defensively, we're pretty sound in midfield when you've got Pareco and... Um, Kapoe and Trigueros on that left-hand side. If 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 Samu's are only attacking really quick forward threat on that right-hand side, what they'll do is really try and cram him out. And then with Samu, Samu's an interesting player, but he's really, really good. But if he doesn't get his way in the first sort of 15 minutes, then he just sort of goes a bit missing, really. Or they, they can really latch onto him and then our attacking threat going forward. So I think that was what will happen. And then in the second half, it would just be a defensive mindset where no one's really pushing forward. Uh, sorry to be negative. What, what do you reckon, Alan? What do you reckon? Well, i i think it's I think it's probably true that you have two coaches who are um, you don't want to do something in the first leg that basically leaves you with no chance to win in the second. So I I kind of get that. Um, I'm hoping, though, that Emery will um, will come out and be a little more attacking-minded than than I think we're afraid he might be. Um, I think I think it's going to be a tie that come that could well come down to away goals. Anyhow, I mean, I just don't see one of these sides blowing the other one out over two legs because they both are. Um, that hasn't been the way they've played consistently. Um, 
So I don't know. You know, I, I think probably we, I, I think a big, a big factor is Samu, if he's down the right, gets to go against um, Granit Chaka, doesn't he? Who's, who's kind of a makeshift left back over there. And that might be a real advantage for us. On the other hand, as you say, do you start Samu and and let and or do you bring him on at you know maybe the sixty minute mark and and hope to spring spring him then? I I don't know. Um, I w- was originally thinking it would be a more wide open tie, but given where we are in the semis of the Europa League, typically tight matches are kind of the way we go. And when we played in in 2016, the first leg against Liverpool, that's certainly how they chose to play us. Now, Marcelino was a counter-attacking side then anyway, so we weren't really looking to do a whole lot other than soak up the pressure. Yeah, I, I have to agree. Go ahead, Robin. Oh, no, sorry. I was just agreeing with Alan. Carry on. Uh, yeah, so I, I agree with Alan in that Chukweze versus Granite Xhaka is probably the most crucial battle on the pitch. That whole Villarreal right side with Gerard kind of at the top, he always interchanged with Samu and then Juan Foyth as well at right back. I presume he'll be starting. He's been good recently. And that's going against an Arsenal left-hand side where... Granite Xhaka is normally a centre mid and he's been deployed out of position at left back simply because Kieran Tierney is normally the first choice left back at Arsenal and he's injured. And the alternatives are Cedric Suarez, who's right footed and was at fault for a few goals, so got replaced in the team. But Xhaka is he is good defensively, but he's not mobile at all. And a tricky pacey winger like Chukweze could cause serious damage down that side. Mm-hmm. And Emery is renowned for kind of focusing on the opposition in his preparation. He's going to be looking at this Arsenal team and he's going to single out Xhaka there as the one to target. He's not a natural defender. He's probably the slowest in that back four. And considering the strengths of Villarreal lie down that side, that is going to be the crucial battle. It's interesting, though, in that, I mean, when you, as we say, the two teams are very similar. And when you talk about Virial's, if you're, if you're um, Arteta looking at Virial's weaknesses, what, what would you say? Wouldn't you also say we can target that side where Samu is on because he's not, a, he's not a, he's basically a very attacking player and we can, and we can get him out of position and attack down that side? Yeah, I, I would definitely say that that's what I would do if I was targeting VRL. It'd be definitely to target that side. Because I think our, our left-hand side of Trigueros and presumably Pedraza is incredibly strong defensively. Like I'd, I'd struggle to see people get, get past that on a really good day. Um, Samu, that, that, that right wing, yeah, yeah, right wing has always been a kind of, is a win a weakness. And, Foyth has been brilliant this season. I'm not going to talk about last game because I think that wasn't his best game ever. But if I was anyone targeting VRL, that would be the first place I'd target. And that's exactly, well, to mention last week, last game, that's exactly what Barcelona did. Mm-hmm. Ed Alba just suddenly changed um, and been a lot more attacking on that side. And two of the goals and two of the early crosses came from that left-hand side. So that's exactly what I do. 
I, I don't want to doubt Foy's ability because he's brilliant. And that goal that that they, you know, that stupid pass he played back was clearly just a lapse of concentration, really. But um, yeah, that's exactly what I would do if I would target. I would target that that left hand side and also maybe our central midfield who tend to be on the slower side. So if you hound Trigueros uh, and Pareco, you can they're completely useless when they're being hounded. So that's that's kind of what I would do. What would you do, Alan, if you were this thing's almost painful to talk about, but how would you how would you defeat VRL? I think I'd try to I, I think I would basically try to get a <clears throat> I think the way to do it is either one of two ways. I mean one is to essentially take advantage of the um, our slower players, um, you know, Albiol, um, Parejo, Trigueros, and essentially try to try to pass the ball over them and run into space, which, which sometimes works. And the other is definitely going to have to be to target that left-hand side. I mean, I think that um, left-hand side, if you're attacking um, our right, because I agree with you that on the other side we're we're quite strong defensively, and so you probably have to try to do that. The thing, the thing about Arsenal and and part of why they haven't been scoring that many goals, I think, is that they really don't have um, they don't they have strength in attacking midfield far more than strength in finishing up front. I think is that is that right, Rahul? Um, I'd actually disagree. I think up oh, front... Oh, an argument. Okay. A, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I mean, there's probably... A, there is an argument for both, but I'd say the main, main problem has been creativity rather than finishing. Okay, um, okay. In terms of Arsenal used to, back in the Wenger days, would get a lot of chances per game, and then the problem was finishing. But now there are strikers like Aubameyang, even Lacazette, uh, Pepe, Martinelli. There's a lot of good kind of attacking forwards there who can finish chances off, but they're now reduced to kind of one or two possibly big chances per game. Mm-hmm. And there have been games where there's been a lot of creativity and very poor finishing, especially in Europa League, because when Arsenal played against Slavia Prague in the first leg, which ended 1 1. Arsenal dominated the game and had three or four big chances, including one-on-one for Lacazette, and couldn't score at all until late on in the game. Mm-hmm. So, but it also depends on Arsenal's kind of fitness because there's a lot of players missing, and it's still really doubtful if Aubameyang or Martin Odegaard would even make this first or possibly even second leg. And if that's the case, then it'll be either Gabriel Martinelli or Eddie Nketiah up front through the middle. And neither of them were experienced in that position. So you might be right in that without Aubameyang, there's not really a reliable goal scorer in the side. But yeah, I feel like it's tough to predict what lineup Arteta would go with. I have a feeling he'll play Bukayo Saka and Nicola Pepe just to get kind of pace in the team and attack the fullbacks. He'll play them on both wings. And probably Emil Smith Rowe as a number ten, but it's tough to predict who a if Aubameyang's available and b if he isn't. It'd be either Enketi or Martinelli, and to get one of those on the end of a few chances is now his big, biggest challenge because that just wasn't the case against Everton. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, it's, it's good. I, I was just going to sort of 
it was interesting you said the attack the fullbacks. How, how would you line up our, our back four against that? Because there was an interesting sort of on on, that, on the article I put on the weekend. There was an interesting comment section where we ended up talking about Al, uh, Albiol and right back and how we would line up on that. Because I, I think it might have been you, Alan. Sorry if it wasn't. Um, it was people were talking about Paul Torres and Foyth as the centre backs, which is a interesting idea. I mean, personally, I would say I, I wouldn't really necessarily go with that because I think Albiol. Yes, he is slower, but that sort of that leadership he brings and the strength and the heading ability is something that Foyth definitely doesn't have. So mm-hmm. I'd be interested to know kind of how how you two would line up that centre back defensive pairing. Hmm. Well, I was the one that suggested Foyth at, at centre back um, because of the speed thing um, with Albiol. So I suppose if, but I think people made some good arguments against it. I suppose if I were the, the problem, really, is that if you deploy Samu at, up front on the right, um, you pretty much then, you can play Mario, you can play Ruben Pena um, behind him, um, or you could play Foyth. And I, I, I like Ruben Pena a lot. I don't feel like we've seen the best of him this season with, with injuries and, and, and whatnot, but... Um, I guess I, I do kind of get the uh, the argument that Albiol should be out there. So I think in the end, I probably would would go with with um, Albiol and um, and Torres as our more experienced center back pairing. So then on the right, I guess I probably do go with Foyth, but I might be tempted to bring on. I mean, I could see starting with Foyth and and Samu on the right, and I could see bringing on. Pena and um, someone else up on the maybe Moy and, and flip sides or something on around the 60 70 minute mark depending on how the match is going something like that but I, I kind of like Pena I just worry that if he's out there with Samu we won't have enough defense on the on that side That's an excellent point Raul, what do you reckon yeah I think Villarreal should go with Albiol and Pau Torres simply because it's the more experienced pairing. They're both played with each other a lot this season and given the kind of magnitude of the game, it being a European semi-final, you'd want that kind of... Albiol's got years and years of experience. He knows how to play in those kinds of games. Mm-hmm. But I will say that I quite like the idea of a Foyth-Pau um, Torres partnership simply because Arsenal aren't good in the air. I can't even remember the last time Arsenal scored a header. And if they were, it was probably from Lacazette, who's injured for the game. Arsenal have only scored, I think, two set-piece goals this entire season. Hmm. Granted, only not conceded many either. They keep it tight in both boxes. But the lack of aerial threat, especially if it's Eddie Nketiah up front, who's quite... He's not the most imposing striker. Um... To have that kind of ball-playing ability within the centre-backs would be useful. But I don't know, because I think Foyth has been good on the right-hand side and he supports Chukwueze quite well. So maybe, as Alan said, could maybe start with Foyth and Chukwueze, then 60, 70 minutes, bring on Ruben Pena and Moy Gomez kind of tightening up there. But I have a feeling just get Chukwueze and uh, Foyth on that right-hand side and see what damage they can cause before then tightening up. Mm. Excellent, 
excellent point. It's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? I think it's it's going to cause a real headache. And yeah, I mean, I, I'm ever the most offensive one that I would probably, and I know loads of people are not going to agree with me on this, but I would like to see Pena on that right wing and, and Mario behind him or, or Foyth behind him. Um, not, I just think that Sam was such a weapon when he comes back on. And if, if he comes, I'm sure he'll be up for the game. He's been in great form and it'll be really good. But if he has an off game, then I, 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 I like seeing Pena and Foyth because I think it's a lot more consistent throughout the whole game. Whereas Sam will have a brilliant game for maybe like a first half, but then really, I think he just gets a bit knackered, to be honest with you. So I, I would love to see Samuel come on and have an absolutely brilliant game. But I think if we suddenly concede like two goals on that left-hand side, I'll be devastated that we started with Samuel, um, which I know is very harsh to say considering how, how well he's been playing recently. But I'm nervous, to be honest. I'm always a bit more nervous when he's on that right wing. Although Foyf does an excellent job of sort of covering him. That sort of leads... Quite nice. The next point, I suppose. Who would you start in goal for Villarreal? Ruli or Asenko? Ooh, yeah, that's a real that's a really interesting question, isn't it? Ruli has been the has been the Europa League goalkeeper all the way along, um, but I have to say the match he started against Alaves, I think you could blame him at least in part for for one of their goals, couldn't you? You know, I almost feel like you got to, if you're, okay, I, I mean, if you're going to bite the bullet and you're going to make the argument to me that we need to start with um, with Albiol because of his experience and everything in these ties, you could make the same argument and say Asenjo. And I think probably, you know, against Barcelona, he was he was excellent. That one save he pulled off, I, um, I swear I have no idea how he did it. Um, so, yeah, I think probably... I go with Albi. I go with Asenjo here. Um, me personally, as a fan, I don't like the idea of kind of a cup keeper. I like the idea of just when it comes to these kinds of games, you play your first choice keeper. But Unai Emery disagrees with me. When he was at Arsenal, when Arsenal reached the Europa League final in his season there, he played Petr Cech, who was second choice. Mm -hmm. about to retire and about to join Chelsea. He played him throughout the entire Europa League run instead of the much, much better Bert Leno. And he even played him in the final. And I think he will stick with Rulli instead of mm -hmm. Asenjo simply because he's always loyal to his kind of his second choice keepers when it, despite the magnitude of the game. And who knows, mm -hmm. it might come back to bite him, especially considering how good Asenjo is. Like his save against Barcelona the other day was just one of the best I've seen all season. He's really, really top keeper. He's got so much experience and considering he's also had two ligament injuries that's kept him out for a long time in his career, it'd be really nice for him to be playing in a, this kind of game instead of watching on from the bench. But yeah, I have a feeling Emery will stick with the second choice. Well, it's interesting too, though, as you mentioned, the, um, that Arsenal aren't particularly good in the air. I've always thought that was one of Ruli's weaknesses was um, um, was defending headers. And yeah, I mean, I guess it kind of it kind of comes down to loyalty to keepers. And you made a good point about Emery. Um, what do you think, Robin? And, and do you think do you think one is obviously better than the other? Um, 
or not? I was just thinking then, if if Arsenal want to get Petr Cech out of retirement just for this match, that'd be really appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I, so I, I I'm very loyal to Asenko and I trust Asenko immensely. Like really, I think he's had some really good games, and I think his his counter attack, his ability to make VRL counter attack better is 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 trustworthy. You know, I, I like how he kind of throws out the ball a lot quicker, mm-hmm. and you sort of mm-hmm. got this kind of electricity and energy about him. I think it would be harsh if we dropped Rooley for this Europa League. It would be a huge dent in his confidence. The fact that, you know, he's, he's trusted for those earlier games, but not for the finals. So either way, I think I'm OK with, with playing either of them. Asenko had an absolutely brilliant match last uh, on the weekend against Barca. I don't know if he was really up for it or something. Or it's a lot of time is what we talk about with Asenko, that if he gets lots of kind of early shot practice, then he's really good throughout the rest of the game. If he has a really quiet game, he does lapse that concentration, and he might have a quite a, a lap, you know, like quite a quiet game against Arsenal. So maybe it might be really, really the better option. But to be honest, I'm, I'm shrugging my shoulders here. I know you can't see me, but I would be trusting of having both of them really. So and also I think, sorry, finally, confidence is a massive thing, and I think Ruli will be really, really up for this. Whereas Asenko obviously played against Barcelona. Had a great game, so confidence is going to be high for either of them. I think so. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. It, it's I. <clears throat> I think it's it's an interesting it's an interesting question, and I don't think it, I don't think there's any particularly right or wrong answer. I think Raúl's comment about how Emery has behaved in the past is pretty interesting, though. Um, it really seems to me as though um, this is a tie where. You know, you may have some, both sides over the course of the season have been prone to individual errors. Um, both sides have players who are really in form for several matches and then tend to sort of go missing, I think. So it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating tie. So I'm going to ask each of you to give me your prediction for the first leg, um, not the whole thing, just the first leg. Well, this is this is a really <laughs> tough one, but also fun one for me to predict, given how I follow both teams. Right. Um, I think Arsenal will get an away goal, but I think it'll, the first leg will end one-one. I can see Gerard Moreno scoring. He like he'll step up to the occasion, I think. And hmm, I can see Nicolas Pepe scoring for Arsenal. He's he's done a lot in the Europa League this season. Even, Pepe and Chukwueze are kind of cut from the same cloth in that they're both very, very talented players. They're both kind of pacey, left-footed wingers who can score goals. But they're also both quite inconsistent and defensively both kind of, they're not the hardest workers in that regard. But they are both really talented players. And that's one of the kind of comparisons that I was looking at pre-ganking these two teams are so similar in that they both have that kind of player. And I think Pepe will have to step up given that Aubameyang may be absent, Lacazette will be absent. Um, so yeah, I'm going to, I went on a tangent there, but I'm going to say 1-1. Robin? I'm going to let you go first on this one, Alan, and then I can seem less radical and extreme. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll listen to your wise words this time. Well, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm still going to... I'm going to... Um, disregard all of the comments about how it's going to be a dour nil-nil tactical draw. So 
I, I will say that's one possibility. Um, like Raul, I see Arsenal grabbing an away goal. I see us probably winning 2-1 in the first leg. Oh, brave, Alan, brave. Very brave. Um, <laughs> I, I would say 1-1, last-minute goal by Arsenal. Probably Pepe or Zacco. Okay. I said that right. All right. Or, yeah. or Thomas Pately, yeah. just for a laugh. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So everybody thinks that, that Arsenal is going to get that away goal that they need. Um, and so then it really comes down to um, how uh, do we take a lead into the second leg and uh, how we perform there. So we can talk about our predictions for that, I think, once we get through the first leg. But let's take a let's take a brief break, and then when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about the fact that this tie is being played without fans, and also um, salute our women who who won promotion. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, so um, normally, I mean, I think for a lot of us who are not in Villarreal and and even not in Spain, you know, the reason why the club has the has the profile it does is because of European competition, and I think European nights in Villarreal are 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 traditionally really special. I keep thinking back to the time when. Um, uh, Glasgow Celtic came the, um, the first time and um, nobody knew what to do with so many visiting fans so they ended up making paella for 5,000 people or what the heck it was and unfortunately it's a little different this time um, with no fans um, at either match it's kind of does that make the occasion less or does it make just make it different I don't. I don't really know. I mean, I, I see Virial fans are putting up flags around town and stuff, and that's great. What What do you guys think about it? Well, well, I think the atmosphere around both clubs is very different right now. I think Villarreal fans would be very, very excited for the game. If there were fans there, the atmosphere would be rocking, and I'd love to go. But at Arsenal right now, there's so much discontent. I don't know if you saw the protests against the owner the other day, especially yes. after all this European Super League fallout. And if there were fans on the ground, I think I, th- I already think there's a protest scheduled for the home time next week. Mm-hmm. And if there were fans on the ground at the Emirates, I can tell you it, won't, it, would, be, it would be buzzing for kind of a European semi-final. It'd be, everyone would be up for it because be saying hi to Emery again. But there would also be kind of this underlying kind of Dis, yeah, discontent amongst the fans, and if the, if Arsenal were to go goal down, it could become toxic. There'd be a lot of cries against the owner. There's a lot of division already on Mikel Arteta and whether he should stay or go. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of pressure on Arsenal for this tie, even though both sides really need this 
especially if given Villarreal might drop out of the Europa League spots in the league, mm-hmm. c- considering the domestic form. Both sides really need this, but especially Arsenal, because if Arsenal don't win Europa League this season, this could be the first season in probably 25 years without European football at all. Wow. And, wow. Um, whereas, but for Villarreal as well, like, given the European history without actually winning, this was a really, really big chance for the club to finally land some major silverware. And I think the most motivating person in the world would be Unai Emery. He would love <laughs> to show Arsenal what what he's capable of given his history in the Europa League. And yeah, I can I can so see I'm just gutted there are no fans there because I would have made every effort to go to both legs. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I, I'm gutted because every year I love us being Europa League and the hope that we might be able to go to another English semi-final, which was brilliant when me, me and you, Alan, went to Liverpool. Yeah. I think the Arsenal fans I have more respect for than Liverpool fans, and that's going to ruffle a few feathers. But if I remember that Liverpool semi-final, they were throwing rocks at the bus and there was all sorts of terrible stuff going on from Liverpool fans. Not to generalise, but that's all Liverpool fans. I feel like Arsenal and VRL have a lot closer sort of relationship with, as we mentioned, Sammy, Santi Cazola, Samu, Emery and stuff. So, I, I mean, I don't think, I, I think I can completely understand Arsenal fans being disgruntled with that sort of the Super League and the owner. I think there's been disgruntled mostly about, about the owner for years and this has probably tipped them rightly over the edge, really. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It, it was a shocking thing to happen, especially... You know, I, I couldn't imagine how betrayed some of the fans feel. I mean, I couldn't imagine it ever happening with VRL. We were adamant that we would never be involved in something like that. So, but yeah, in terms of the atmosphere, I think I, I've been to Arsenal. I used to live outside the old, old Highbury Stadium, and I remember growing up and just hearing all the chants and the fans and the passion that came with Arsenal fans. And I think it's it's a very electric club. They're very proud of their club. Um, you know, and I think it would have been a really beautiful thing to be to be part of and go and see. So maybe in the, you know, it's been since 2004. I think it was since we played them in the Champions League in that semi-final. You know, I'm sure in another 10 years' time we might play them again, which would be great. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, how about you, Alan? How do you feel about it? You know, it would have been great for a reunion for oh, quite yeah. a few VRL oh. USA fans, wouldn't it, to meet together? It would have. I mean, one of the um, one of the other ties the clubs have was um, Gabriel Paulista got bought by Arsenal from us, and. Um, it's interesting because there's several people I know, including Rahul, including um, including Ravi, who you know used to be a um, one of our um, Virial USA correspondent types, and you know Ravi and his wife Sarah are. I mean, they're when when they got married, they had they had references to Virial and Arsenal throughout the ceremony. It was really great. So you know there there is a there is a lot of bond between the two teams. Um, I also, um, Robin, I know you knew him far better than I did, but uh, the guy I wish could be there for this and be there in person is Robin Harris, who was a, um, a Londoner who lived in Virial for years and was probably Virial's number one fan, but <laughs> or one of them. And you know, he would have been he would have been over the moon to have to have had a, a, a London side visiting us in Virial, I think. Yeah, definitely. And thank you very much for sort of, you know, taking the time to talk about it. We should mention that he used to sort of write 
like comments and blogs. So some people might remember him if you've been on on the um, on the blog for a while. But yeah, basically, I lived in VRL for well, I lived in Valencia and used to travel to VRL quite a lot. And I remember the first training session when I visited some of the the clubs and the trading sessions, and you could just basically go and have to say hello to the fam. I remember hearing all this kind of Spanish chatter thing, oh, vamos, and come on, come on, and you know, at the players. And then in the corner, I heard this English Cockney accent going, give it your all, and all this. <laughs> and I looked over, and there was this, this small, small London Cockney bloke just standing there ranting at players, talking at them in English, and they clearly could not understand a word he said. He, he spoke brilliant Spanish. It was hilarious because... You know, he used to introduce me to all the other fans and stuff in Spanish, but he had the, still had the thickest Cockney accent I've ever heard in my life. And he absolutely used to love going to the matches. He was the definition of Mr. Villarreal because he'd go to all the games. He was sporting the club back in like 1995 or, eight, you know, I think yeah. it was like 1990, he told me, when he first moved out to Spain and he I just think... absolutely loved it. And yeah. yeah, I think everyone will very, very deeply miss him at the club. You know, he's probably the most accepted international fan at VRL ever, really. Yes, he was, um, for those of you who have read the blog for many years, he used to be, um, his his team in, in uh, England before he emigrated was Leighton, was Orient, I guess Leighton Orient, or they've changed their name a couple of times. So he was Orient 1 on the blog. But he, the year that Virial went down to the, um, to the Segunda, I think there were, which was, you know, roughly two years after the blog had really gotten picked up by SB Nation and was bigger, there were two worries that I had when we got relegated. And the first one was that SB Nation would just say, you know, we, you guys, we don't need, we don't need this blog anymore. You know, go find somebody else or go publish your own WordPress blog or something. And so, and then the second worry I had was, in the Segunda, you know, there's so much less coverage. There are no pictures of matches a lot of times and at the time and everything. It's like, how are we going to, if they keep us, how are we going to manage to fill the coverage? And Robin contacted me and said, you know, I will do, you know, basically I'll, whatever you guys need, I'll help you with. So if you go back and look at the um, the promotion season, the 2012-13 season, you'll see all sorts of reports from him on, you know, going and freezing his butt off in uh, in some of the little grounds <laughs> and things like that. He was he was a he was a great guy. He didn't he never quite totally got the blog concept of you're you're allowed to criticize your team. I think he he really felt like we all ought to be all 100% very all all the time, but. <laughs> But that was one of his charms, you know, and I and I I think we'll all miss him, and I it would be wonderful if Villarreal could lift the trophy, um, and you know, for, for him and for all of us. Yeah, it was an excellent fitting tribute, and the, yeah, he was he was the soul of the earth guy. He really was. He, he was the grumpiest sod I've ever met in my life, and that's perfectly honest with you. But he he was yeah, he was just he was a brilliant sort of Villarreal fan, and you know, if you if you go to the game, I remember. When we went to that Liverpool semi-final, he turned up in Liverpool for it as well, and he he met some Liverpool fans. You know, they they went all the way to VRL to watch the first leg in VRL, uh-huh. and they couldn't get tickets or anything like that. And he just went over to the club and had a word with them and got him got them like star tickets and stuff. And yeah. Then he came over to Liverpool and he sit. The first thing I saw when I went into a bar in Liverpool was him sitting there just eyeing everyone up, just desperate to you know try communicating with everyone and being the sort of 
yeah. part of VRL, like the Mr. English VRL, um, Mr. VRL, as I used to call him. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He when when Elisa and I visited in in uh, I guess it was 2015. I want to say, I think that's right. He um, he, you know, showed us around town and everything. It, it rained horribly the entire time we were there, so we didn't get to do as much as we would have liked. But he. He showed us around. The thing that was funny, though, was when we, because we were like you, we were staying in Valencia and we were going to take the train to to Virial and then and then walk up to the stadium. And he just thought the idea of us walking to the stadium was just was just ridiculous. He's like, well, you can't do that. You have to call a taxi, you know. And and of course, that's not easy to do in Virial. There's one taxi company and they don't really answer the phone very often. So. You know, so we waited for about, you know, for about 10, 15 minutes. And we're like, this is silly. We could have been at the ground by now. <laughs> so we, we ended up walking in, in the rain and we, and that was great. But yeah, I really, I really miss, um, really Mr. Virial indeed. Um, the other thing I should point out in, in before we wrap up is we really need to salute our women's side, which um, has gained promotion to the, to the national to the first division of women's soccer in Spain for the first time ever. And this is a huge achievement. Um, some of the players on the team are ones that started playing as, as youth, um, you know, five or six years old <laughs> um, with, with Villarreal and have, and have worked their way up the pyramid. Some are, are players that when we decided a couple of years ago, we wanted to get a little more serious about, about the women's team. We, we, um, brought in but it's it's just a tremendous achievement and um really proud of them so i think we we probably don't i hope with the, with them being promoted to the national league we'll get more attention for them on our blog but um i know we're we're really proud of them and, and that's senior Roy was at the match um on sunday where they won promotion and he's you know he's got to be over the moon about this too yeah it's a truly brilliant achievement uh they've had an absolutely great season um i can hear raul willing to, he must be telling us he must be listening to this thinking oh it's brilliant because i know he's really really keen on the on the women's side of football and very keen to promote it so um it yeah it was it was brilliant like some had a great season there was a few other players that really shone this this season sorry i'm not listing names because my pronunciation is so bad tonight um but it's almost i think I don't know how this is going to sound, but I'm almost glad that we we lost to Barcelona because if we beat in Barcelona, somewhat it would have seemed almost, you know, I think people would have also pray, overly praised the Barcelona win and neglected to remember the, the fact that the women did so well. Um, it's, it's great promotion. It's going to be great for the club, and I think it's really going to help the club grow on that side of things because women's football really is growing around the world, and I think that we could really be key to it, key a key player in in the in the world like we are. Uh, for the men's side, so yeah, no, it's great, really great achievement, and a very nice shout out. Yeah, it's not good, it's not going to be easy to stay up. Of course, I mean, we all you know remember that the first year the men's team got promoted to the Primera, it came back down, and then had then went back up the following year. So it's not going to be easy, but the competition is definitely going to be a lot tougher. But I think we've got a lot of excellent players, and from what uh, Royal says, I mean, he's actually been to some coaching. Um, seminars and things where our um, Sarah Monforte, the women's coach, is, and from what he said, it's like she's she's 
you know, she's not just a damn good women's coach. She's a good coach, period. So I think we're really lucky to have her. But Emery's feeling threatened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, one, 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 uh, one hopes not, but you never know. I mean, you know, we had, uh, we've had, uh, we've had women, uh, we had a woman's coach, woman coached a team in League Two in France. I guess is as close as. I'm thinking in the in the major European leagues, but yeah, I think Sarah Sarah's an excellent coach, and I'm I know she's she's um, going to be relishing the challenge, and uh, and yeah, they had a great season. Um, I mean, Salma has been a, been a great player, but they've had, but even when she's had to miss a lot of uh, or some matches um, for her track and field stuff, I mean, the team has just stepped right up and you know has has done very well. It's not like we're it's not like it's a one person team. They've done really well, um, and uh, you know I know that uh, I know that people have got to be really happy um, about that. So, any last words before we wrap it up and look forward to Thursday? I've got to get my Viriel flag out on our balcony. Uh, I don't want to jinx it, so I'm not going to say anything more. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Roel? <sighs> well, um, some of my fellow Arsenal fans have been asking me about is Francis Coquelin, whether he'll play. <laughs> and yeah, I've had, I've had to tell them that he's not first choice anymore. It's Kapue. But yeah, another element of this game is that Kapue and Foyth both used to play for Tottenham. So if there were fans in the grounds, then I'm sure they'd get a delightful reception at the Emirates. But yeah, this is a tie that I'm so, so excited for that. I've been looking forward to this. I've been hoping for this for years. So I'm just gutted there's no fans. But this is the most excited I've been for any game all season. So it should be a good game on Thursday. Well, you, you I just I, jinxed it by mentioning Coquelin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We've lost Alan. We're, we're buggered. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I, I think it's it is amusing though, and I think Siddharth and I back at the very beginning of the of the season when we were talking about the Europa League, we're kind of noting that you know, well, gee, what wouldn't it be interesting if if uh, we met Arsenal in the final? And of course, we we're close. I mean, I, I think it would be even better if it if it were a final, but. As it is, two legs is going to be a lot of fun, and um, and we'll we'll just have to see what what transpires. I think I think both teams are um, I, I say like they're both consistently inconsistent. Both have players who, on their day, can propel their team to victory, and uh, we'll just have to see how it turns out. I think it's going to be a fascinating tactical session. I think I. I put my faith in Emery a bit because he's been so good in knockout in knockout competitions. Um, but I'm, I think it's going to be a, a tight tie either way. So anyway, for, for Robin and for Rahul, um, thank you very much for listening and end of our Rio Real. We will, we will see you or talk to you next, probably next week after the uh, first leg is done. <laughs>